Welcome to my podcast over a cup of coffee with HJ, directly broadcasted from Shanghai. I'm an independent inspirator and offer you a full spectrum podcast. My audience has always the chance to listen to exciting and inspiring people which have the right to share their opinion and their perspective on various topics which make life meaningful. Today I will have a discussion with Tom about culture and digitalization. You will understand that culture matters when it comes to digital currency, data privacy and blockchain. Enjoy the podcast. Tom as someone living over 20 years in Switzerland and strongly influenced by the idea of blockchain. What is your perspective on the Chinese approach of digitalization? The, the Chinese approach, which has been surprising me, the more I start to learn about it, the more I talk, you know, or listen to people who, who are who are sort of more attuned to what's going on in China, and maybe you can tell you can talk a bit to that, is that while we in the West are kind of freaking out because it's like, oh my God, they're building a surveillance state and you have these, you know, social, you know, social media um, or, or, or social scores and stuff and everyone's controlling the behavior, apparently, as far as I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, for a lot of Chinese, it's not, that's okay. Um, and, you know, they, they kind of trust their government. And, you know, I think that that from a Chinese perspective, you know, and I've heard this from some of the people in, at the European Commission who work on um, IT standards, right? Because the Chinese are interested in, in building a new version of the Internet that's much more easily controlled by, by a government, which sounds awful to us. But the Chinese come back and are like, hey, look, you have this sort of, you know, anything goes Internet now. Look what a mess it is. It's full of fake news. It's full of, you know, propaganda. It's full of all sorts of nasty stuff. Um, it hasn't done, hasn't served you well. Um, and all these companies are, are, you know, you know, you know, profiling everyone and, and, and God knows what. So why not have a, you know, why not have a benign government uh, control it? And sometimes I hate to say this when I see what goes on here, you know, you ask yourself, well, maybe. I have the same conclusion. So they are willing to give a certain degree of their freedom to the government and the government gives stability and security. So the old game we have also with Thomas Hobbes when he created the Leviathan in the 15th century, the British philosopher. From my perspective, uh, different uh, value settings based on what you want to experience. If you want to experience total freedom, you need a, an American, North American setting. And if you prefer stability and more security, you prefer, prefer the Chinese setting. And uh, coming back uh, to what you said earlier, um, the, the Chinese developed an all-in-one application called Weixin, WeChat, which is not only a messenger system, it's a full spectrum uh, lifestyle governance as a platform, insurance, name it 
whatever you can do more or less anything you need in your daily life you mentioned something about the standards i would love to hear more about because uh, what i found out is that the chinese government developed a new standard for blockchain cloud based open source and is already implemented in 56 countries so probably you can tell me something about this invisible battle between europe and china uh, on the standards level so as you know as far as i understand it there's there's is kind of a war going on for um the next generation of um itc which is it and, and communications standards right and basically the idea basically it's all about designing sort of the next internet right um and the chinese as i mentioned before seem to be quite interested in a much more you know controllable top down approach top down um infrastructure for an internet and um the europeans really would much prefer you know a a cleaned up version of what we already have which is a much more freer one um and again like i say we these these words that i'm using have are 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 charged with uh with with values but again i think the i think the reality is is, is rather more nuanced um and as um you know what i what i learned when i was talking to the uh some of the people who work on this ICT stuff at the european commission and i think that you know that they they'll they'll say this openly is that at the moment there's certainly um there's certainly on the european side uh not really that, that as many you know like the, the chinese are putting a lot of personnel resources into all these standards because you know these these standards bodies right there's the ITU and there's ISO and, and there's there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different standards bodies that 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 write these rules and it's something that not a lot of people think about because it sounds kind of boring and um uh technical but you know standards are essential to to how we build the infrastructure and how it works and there's a lot of you know the chinese are putting a lot of uh effort into um into these standards bodies and it's not you know it's not like a secret or it's not like some sort of nefarious you know attack it, they're, they're going to the official bodies and they're just coming with large delegations and they're you know putting a lot of effort into in, into this rule writing um because they have their point of view for it and um i think that that may be something that we in the west uh are kind of getting a little bit behind on um because there is this sort of uh you know how these rules are written will um say a lot about how we able to use an, an internet and and communications going forward so what will be the future if we miss that point or right, how about this i'll tell you what i would like to see happen but i would very much like to see um sort of a reboot of the what we let's call for lack of a better term of the free internet which has a much um stronger capabilities for identity um and for user centric identity which means that people have um more control and more ability to to have their um have their data themselves um and but also be able to prove who they are when they're interacting in the internet and the same thing goes for organizations and you start you know and there's a lot of movement going on um and a lot of work going on on things like decentralized identities and self-sovereign identities because identity and data are the, are the key to all of this right so i would love to see a more a a, a bottom up um approach continue 
but one in which um, it's much more, it's much easier to verify information that you know where it comes from and, and that it's true, but to do so in a way that's really more in control of the people who are using the internet. And I think if we can fix what we have, we'll probably be in a in a in in in, in a better way on many fronts. It'll be you know more more citizen centric. It'll be more. Um, at the same time, it'll probably be safer for us, and it'll still be more decentralized. And I'm of the opinion that generally, generally, but not always, generally, decentralized systems, um, whether they're you know countries or whether they're um, uh, currencies, right, decentralized currencies or whatever, or whatever it is, um, gen- tend to be more dynamic and more creative over time than um, autocratic ones. So the creativity will probably more um, visible or can be expressed in a better way but the question is when it comes to security stability um, will this decentralized approach be successful especially if you take into consideration what we have already as a structure as a power structure in Europe or in the United States do you mean in terms of an internet or do you mean in terms of uh, society generally I'm talking about uh, the internet because there is already a power structure. So the the network, the who who owns certain components, who is in charge in power to decide what will be the next step. So when we are talking about uh, doing the reset, will this be a benefit for the people who are in charge in power who can decide? So this is my big question. Yeah, so for me, I'm not always so sure, or I get a bit uncomfortable when people talk about monolithic power structures in a, in in in, um, in democracies, right? Because um, I, I don't, I'm not so sure they exist. Um, I think there are a lot of powerful interests, right? But I still think we live in a world where there's definitely um, there's definitely uh, various power structures, and they compete with each other. And and probably, I mean, I've never lived in a in a um, in a you know single party state or some sort of autocratic you know I've, I've never lived in that so I don't know but I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot of different power structures in those two under the surface that that compete with each other. I think that um, if we can pull off what I sort of described before, I think there will be a shift in wealth and and power right because data is very much wealth and data is very much power. Um, I think that will shift. I um, I think it's probably going to be a healthy shift, and I still think you'll end up with something that's probably um, pretty dynamic and um, and successful. And I mean, and this is based on and and I don't know if, if you know you can agree or disagree with this theory, but there's sort of this idea out there that the reason why um, you know social democracies were so successful and 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 uh, were able to, you know, be more successful like in the Second World War and, and, and capitalist societies were, were able to be more successful is because they have enough decentralization to be dynamic enough to basically be wealthier. Um, and uh, I mean, the, you know, the reason the Allies won World War II wasn't military strategy. They, we had more stuff. Um, you know, we, we, we had, you know, we were able to build more stuff. So, so the question is, um, I, I think if, if we can do that, then you may have, you may have this shift and you may probably have a more, you know, more dynamic. Um... Uh, I was talking about the power structure. For example, there is the term surveillance capitalism from an emeritus professor from the United States. 
Yeah, yeah. you're Shoshana. And uh, I was emphasizing the, her her concept that you have that you already have uh, private companies which held a lot of power and uh, to decide what is beneficial for them and not for the society. And so when we are talking about the future of uh, the Western, North American, European uh, future of society and the Internet, is there a change possible when the power structure is as it is in the moment? Okay, I see what you're saying. So the answer is yes, and it's, but it's going to take government, right? Hmm. It's going to take government. Now, in, I know a lot of people, you know, people worry about government, so they don't, they don't like government control and all this other stuff. It's very much an American approach. But look, to me, the, the healthiest societies are ones that are in balance, right? And I think you need a balance between citizenry, uh, governments, and let's call it business or, 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 or the, the, the corporate um, communities. Okay. And when those things can be in balance, you're probably going to be in the best safe. And right now, in terms of this whole surveillance capitalist stuff, right now it's completely out of balance. I mean, it is an absolute perversion that every time I go out and surf the web, everything I do is being collected and, you know, being, I'm being spied on and everything I do is being, you know, recorded, not in one database, but in like hundreds, right? I was working with a startup that's trying to build a privacy preserving um, network layer on the internet, right? And so it was, it was a privacy project, right? And they were unable to make their own website private, for, you know, to, to not, to stop data surveillance on their own website because they had YouTube videos on their website. And once you have a YouTube video, right? You can't stop Google from collecting your data, even if you want to. It's just not possible. So this privacy project had to write um, a privacy policy, which told people who came to their website that we cannot guarantee your privacy. This is unbelievable. But it's ridiculous. if we, if we, if we uh, change our, our view towards East, towards China, um, and we would imagine some Chinese friends of us sitting here with us for a discussion, they would say, oh, uh, we did, we don't get your point. Uh, we have this kind of observation. Every data is collected. Every phone call is collected and analyzed uh, in the country we are born and we are living in, but we don't care. Yeah. So, that's, so the, that's so this is, this is, and then there we come to the point of, um, uh, it's a, a value issue. It's a cultural issue and it's not, about judging uh, the different systems. But since I live in China, I experience on my own that you don't take care because you are in the net, you have your apps, you have your iPhone or whatsoever. And it's very clear there is tons of digital data collected and stored in case of uh, you need an harmony treatment as I love to say. So um, the question in China is, can I make business with that? And there we come to very interesting point. You, you said very clearly from your perspective that this data privacy issue is really that big thing what the citizen prefer in this part of the world. And in China, they say most of the majority would say, uh, can I make 
a business with that? Can I use it for my own pleasure? Um, if there is a yes, this is okay. So for I give you one small example. Uh, the, the WeChat portal is, uh, let's say, you, you need only this app for your whole life. And even a web browser you do not need. Even a website you do not need. The only thing you need is this uh, WeChat application. So if you want to run a big company, the only thing you need, you need a website within that system. And it's fully provided for free. So this means everything is in this bubble, everything is controlled, everything is accessible from the government. And uh, in the other hand, you get a tool for free, which allows you uh, to run your business so easygoing. Uh, it is a paradigm shift if you compare it, what do you need in, in Europe or North America uh, to run a business with Google CEO and you need a, uh, a website and you need an online shop, then you need this and that. And as a normal citizen in China, you can do this more or less for free. So this is the big difference uh, be between this data privacy issue, what I see, what you mentioned, and in China, where they prefer a more pragmatic perspective on that. So unless I, I have more joy, more pleasure, or more uh, opportunities to make business, I can, uh, they will appreciate that. So... enjoyed the conversation with my guest. If you did so, feel free to share this episode with your friends and your colleagues within your circle and your social media. I do this in my free time and it's for non-profit. If you would love to be my guest and share your valuable insights, feel free to contact me. You find the details in the description of the podcast you're listening right now. Bye bye. Zeit hier.